When our creative team said they had an idea for growing together, I didn't know we were gonna focus on growing the dad bod, right? Um, and I thought about coming out with my shirt unbuttoned candidly, but I think we've seen enough skin for the weekend. Wouldn't you guys agree? Uh, we can all be better off without that, but our creative team uh, wrote and produced that. Aren't they amazing uh, what they do to support Faith Promise in our church? And, you know, uh, we just uh, are so excited that we get to worship together uh, with you and dads. We're so grateful for you. We're grateful for the love and the sacrifice uh, that you make for families. Can we give it up for our dads one more time? Thank you so much, man. We... And I just want to take a second, you guys will help me with this, but I want to encourage uh, the men of God who are worshiping at our God Behind uh, Bars locations because, uh, men, you may think where you are would keep you from accomplishing something great, but it just hit me. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament from prison, and so you can become an intercessor for your kids. You can write letters and notes and encourage them and be everything that they need in the place where, where you are. And so I just, can we encourage the fathers that got behind bars? We're proud of you. We love you. We're so grateful that we get to be a part of life and church with you. And uh, I just want to say uh, as well, happy Father's Day to Pastor Chris. He's my spiritual dad and uh, had surgery on Thursday. He's doing well and uh, recovering at home. And so if you'll continue to pray for him, uh, that God will just give him a quick recovery. And then also, uh, my dad's actually out of the country today. I know at some point uh, he'll be able to catch up and he'll watch this message. Dad, I love you. Golly, I'm so grateful uh, for the foundation that you've laid for my life, the opportunity that I get to, to just honor you uh, being a great dad. Thanks so much. I love you. I wish I could be with you today. I'm grateful for you. We love dads. Aren't dads amazing? Man, what a, a great Father's Day. Give it up one last time for our dads. You know, one of the greatest privileges that I have is to be the father of Hayden and Madison, uh, my two kids. And I would do anything. I think most dads uh, would say that I would do anything to help my kids, right? To help them fulfill their potential in Christ, to do whatever I can to help them connect in their relationship with God. And what I love about God is the way that he reveals himself to us. You see, God reveals himself to us and says he's our heavenly father. And he actually reveals himself in this divine trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in reality, in the way that God, uh, God reveals himself to us in Scripture, it, it actually is this thought that, that God the Father's incomplete without this community of the Son and the Spirit, that, that God was doing something when he revealed himself to us in Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and if you take that a step further, you see that when Jesus left heaven and he came to earth, that he relied on the Father, and he relied on the Spirit throughout his walk in the Gospels, when you look at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, that, that Jesus literally was walking in the Gospels, relying on his Father, and relying on the Spirit. And, and I think just like everything else, it was Jesus's way of modeling for us the importance and the necessity of community in the life that he's given us. That if God could exist in community, he was saying something to us. He was calling us as the people of God to exist in community as well. And we see it in the book of Genesis when God creates Adam and then Adam is there in Genesis chapter two and verse 18 uh, that God says, then the Lord uh, said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And 
you recognize from that passage, maybe if you don't go to church regularly, you didn't grow up reading the Bible, that there's a guy named Adam and God says, okay, he needs someone to, to walk with him. And God creates Eve out of him. And then from that, they, she becomes the first mom. And then they actually become the first family and, and literally the first community. And if you go back and read the book of Genesis, that, that God created them to have fellowship, to have community with him. Right? That's the goal of our life. The goal of our life is to be a community and to become a community with him. And, you know, community makes such a difference in your life. And many of you know uh, a little bit of the story that our family's walking through that a little over a year ago, uh, my wife, Kim, was diagnosed with stage four lung and bone cancer. And it's been a journey that we've walked through over this past year. But the more that I thought about it, even in the context of this message, you know, God put Kim in her job in a community of people at Grace Christian Academy here uh, in our city, a, a great school that our kids attend. And she was able to teach at for, for almost five years. And then for 15 years, we've been in the community called Faith Promise, uh, our family. And, and what God did is God put those two communities of people around us. He protected us and put people to guard us and to care for us and to pray for us. And I just have to say thank you. Thank you so much that, that so many of you from all of our campuses have written notes to say, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. We care for you. Uh, people have just done and bent over backwards to show our family love. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. You know, community is phenomenal. I mean, we, we need community. I know that you guys recognize when you hear you, you have cancer or someone in your family does, you need people to pray for you. You need people to love you and care for you. But community goes beyond that. We talk about community, you know, who do you call if you have a flat tire, right? I mean, you, you need a community for that. And all of us know you need a large community if you need to move, right? That's when we call everyone we know. We're like, hey, I'm moving. Who do you know? You know, call someone. But one of the things that hit me uh, this weekend that I think is so important for us to remember, and I think it's important for you to recognize is this. Community, if not established before the unexpected, will not exist during it. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm going through this and there's no one there, there's no one around me, no one cares for me. You ever heard someone say that? Yes. The reason why they're saying that is because most likely they never established a community of people around them who would love them and care for them when they walk through life's unexpected. And you see, community is something that each of us has to have every day if we're gonna truly grow and accomplish everything that God has for us in our life. And the important thing for us to remember if you're a Christ follower is this, you never stop needing others to grow. Never. There's never a time you don't get spiritually mature enough that you need less people. You get spiritually mature enough that you need more people to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. You see, if you find yourself in this moment where you would say, well, I'm not sure that I need people, then you're gonna recognize today that you have put yourself in a very, very dangerous place. But before we jump into that, I recognize at each of our locations that when we talk about community, uh, most people put up natural barriers. They're like, I don't have time for that. Or, uh, you know, I was in a community and you don't realize what happened to me. And uh, there's tons of brokenness that happens in community because we're all broken, right? And sometimes we don't handle things right. We're not mature in the way that we deal with things. And, and we just say, nah, community's not for me. It can't be. But one of our values is growing together. 
And, and we're gonna challenge you always to do it. So let's just pray and ask God to break down the barriers and then we're gonna jump in. God, in this moment, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and to break down the walls in our hearts we've put up. Even when we hear about this message, each of us has some hurt that we can talk about that we've experienced from the community that we're a part of. And so I pray today that you would move in on us. Holy Spirit, would you break down the things that, the barriers that we put up so that you can reveal to us a new reality, God, that you wanna do and that you wanna work in and through us. And so right now we invite you God, come into every of our locations and just speak to us. Reveal your word to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So you know over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been jumping into this series called I Am Faith Promise about the six values that we ascribe to. And if you miss those, please go online and they're there for you. If you go to faithpromise.org, you can watch, you can subscribe uh, so that you don't miss those. People are watching right now online. You can go online when you're on vacation. Uh, I saw earlier, Michelle uh, posted a picture, Pastor Chris watching online because he's not able to be here modeling for us what we should do. But we believe as a church that we're called to be a part of a community that helps real people with real problems do what? Find real love. That's what we're about. And this weekend, we're gonna look at, as a community, how do we grow together? How should we grow together? And I wanted to start off by reading uh, an email that Pastor Chris received a couple of weeks ago. It's a little bit long, but I think it will help you see a picture of how we grow together. Listen to this. Dear Pastor Chris, I have to brag on your church. Four months ago, I was given bad news about my sugar, weight, blood pressure, and cholesterol. My doctor said that if I didn't make major changes, I would most likely not see 50. I'm 45. Listen to this. I gave up. Have you ever been there? The ladies in my group met me that night and prayed over me. I remember being so mad at them and God and myself for the mess that was my life. I felt horrible all the time, angry, depressed, and zero energy or desire to change. These ladies stood in the gap for me that night. The next day, I felt better. I can't really explain it, but like a weight had been lifted. I started seriously with a personal trainer and began a meal prep service. I'm here to tell you I've lost 32 pounds so far over the course of a year. In the last four months, hang on, great thought. In the last four months, I've lost eight pounds. I went back to the doctor this past Tuesday. My cholesterol looks so good, we're backing off some of the medicine. My blood pressure is normal. I still have a long way to go but I have faith in God that he will, get, uh, he will get me there and support me from your church. Listen to this. When I tell you that the people at Faith Promise have played a major part in saving my life, I'm not joking. I was completely broken. I was completely lost. I had zero direction and zero to desire to change. My favorite two words of this email, but God, I have a second chance and will not waste it. This is my miracle, and I cannot thank you enough for leading people to give real love to real people with real problems. I know you get thousands of emails and lots of complaints. She doesn't realize he gives all the complaints to me. So as a, <laughs> you know, again, uh, okay, that's a, he's at home sick. We shouldn't pick on him. Uh, this is a good one, and I hope it makes you happy to know that all those at Faith Promise are really loving and making a difference in people's lives. And then it says, thank you for reading. I am faith promise, right? I mean, that's what it's about to be in a community, 
A community is about growing in all of us. Even if you're not a Christ follower and you're here, you want to get better. You want to grow in, in some way in your life. All of us want to be better. You may want to be a better citizen. You may want to be a better steward of uh, the earth that God has given us or whatever it is. You want to be better. We all want to grow. But growing on your own and getting better by yourself, candidly, is incredibly risky. You see, it's incredibly risky because the Bible teaches us this principle, that we grow to get, when we grow most, let me get this right, we grow most when we grow together. You see, things rarely go wrong with the right community, but things rarely go right when there's no community at all. Things rarely go right when you're doing it on your own. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, if you have your Bible or your phone and you want to pull it out and pull up the Bible, uh, it's a passage in the Old Testament closer to the front of your Bible. And, and there's a guy there who's about to make a huge mistake. But the Bible actually calls him a person who is a, a, a person after God's own heart. He had slayed Goliath and and literally was the king of Israel. His name is David, and yet he's about to do the worst thing that he could ever do and just keep making it worse. But the reality of that is, even though he made a mistake, and we would all say, well, we've all made mistakes, right? Why would we look at this guy's mistakes? Because we have the opportunity to learn from his mistake and see how if he had just made a few different decisions about his community and the people that God had placed around him, his life would have turned out way differently than it did. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, if you have your Bible, you're taking notes. On the back of the new communication card, there's a place to do that, and you can take notes. But, but I want you to look at this statement. But David stayed at, and you can put in parentheses, home. David was literally what we say to people all the time, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Have you ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? You know what I'm talking about? David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And David's struggle began because he actually sent people when he normally went with them. You see, he stayed at home. He decided, hey, this battle, when kings go out to war, I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna stay here. I, I, I don't really wanna go out. I don't feel like going out at this point. And I really want to challenge each of you this weekend, guys, to say, hey, whenever it's time for battle, who are the people who come around you to help you war, to protect you? Ladies, who are the people who gather that you rely on, uh, that help you to accomplish and fulfill God's purpose and his plan for your life? Because the Bible tells us something significant. It says when we grow together, we invite God into our midst. That literally us being together invites God in. In 27 verses, in over 800 words in 2 Samuel chapter 11, listen to this. The word Lord does not appear until the last literal word of the passage. And David doesn't recognize something that many of you and me and at oftentimes all of us don't recognize. That in this season, when he was separating himself from his community, he was simultaneously in some way separating himself from God. He was separating himself from God. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus said this, for where two or three have gathered in my name, 
I am there in their midst. You see, when we grow together, when we come together, when we fellowship together, when we become a community together, we invite God into our midst. And at, and, and at Faith Promise, we follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. See, our goal is not just to grow and get fatter in a spiritual sense. Our goal is to grow and teach others how to walk and grow in their relationship with him. But David, in this moment where he could have been influencing the people that God had placed around him, he literally stays at home. He isolates himself. And so many people this weekend, you're isolated. You don't realize it, but something has happened and you've been cut off either by choice that you stepped out of community uh, or either by circumstance where life happened and you removed yourself or the consequences of things that are going on around you. And you think, hey, everything's going to be okay with me. I'm going to be fine. But actually, not just scripture, but a recent study says you're not going to be fine. Cigna, a healthcare provider here in the U.S., did a study recently, and the results are actually overwhelming. It's just amazing to hear what they said. Listen to this. Young people are now far more likely than senior citizens to feeling lonely. So there's one good thing about being a senior citizen now. You're not going to be as lonely as young people, right? (laughs) You're getting old. It's a good place to be. But listen to this, seriously. And now... Loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, making it more dangerous than obesity. Did you hear that? Loneliness has a greater effect on your life than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Hey, mom and dad, the reason we do what we do the reason right now that we have FP Kids at all of our locations is so that we can help your kids connect with other kids so that they can connect with a godly leader and grow in their relationship with Christ. Tomorrow at this campus, we're gonna all gather together, 400 second through fifth graders going to kids camp to learn and grow in their relationship with Christ, right? Yes. And. And in reality, if that is, we're doing it, why? So that kids can make connections so they don't experience that loneliness. And then on Wednesday night, we're gonna do it again as our students come together, right? Our sixth through 12th graders. And a godly leader is gonna pour into them and they're gonna make connections with other people. Why? Because our culture has a, has, is seeing right now a 30% increase in suicide, right? Opioids are at the greatest, it's a crisis. It's an epidemic that's happening in our culture. Why? Because people are disconnecting themselves from others and in disconnecting themselves, they're destroying themselves. You see, you may not realize it, but if you've disconnected yourself from community, you're destroying yourself. You see, it's hard to find real community sometimes, right? And most of us honestly have experienced bad community. We know exist. We've been a part of bad community sometimes. You know, there's things that I stood for in the past that I'm like, man, that was, that was dumb. Why did I draw such a hard line on that? Some of you say, man, do you really want me to trust other people with, the, you know, with my secrets, with my heart? I mean, uh, you know, is that really what our church wants? You want us to come together and do this? And the answer is yes, yes. Because if you don't, your life is gonna end up in a place that you never believed that it would. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11 and verse two, I'm gonna read it from my book, but it'll be on the screen because it's a little bit longer. 
It says this, now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Now listen, if you don't get anything else, if you don't write anything else down, write this down because this is so important. The best conditions for birthing sin are when you are alone. The best conditions for birthing sin are when you are alone, when you've separated yourself, when you've put yourself outside of your community and the people who care for you and fight for you. That's the best time. Most of us would look back and say, I made some of the dumbest decisions when I didn't ask other people what I should do, when I went so fast, when I, was, when I, when I thought, oh, look, life's happening. I've got to get ahead or whatever it is. You were alone making decisions and you made a train wreck of what was going on around you. And we're not sure why David stayed behind, honestly. There's, there's really no idea in scripture. It doesn't tell us, you know, David stayed behind because of this. But what we do recognize is that this story is the perfect example of the difference between going it alone and growing together, right? David was decided, hey, I'm gonna go it alone when in the past he had grown with his community. He had been involved with them. And here's what we figure out. When we grow together, we never go it alone. You know, I, I've not walked a day in the battle against cancer in our family alone. You know why? Because God placed people around me, and I know every day Pastor Chris is on his face for me and for my family. You see, I'm not going it alone. I'm growing together. I'm growing with a community of people that God has placed around me. But how do you know if you're going it alone? You know, how do you, how do you say, Josh, well, how do I know if I'm really going alone? Well, here's how. I, I hear people say this all the time. You know, I feel like I'm drifting away. I just don't feel like I'm growing spiritual anymore. I, I feel like I'm becoming disconnected or people begin to feel like other people owe you, right? You start thinking, man, relationship, they owe me something. Or you ever heard people talk like, you know, things just aren't getting better in my life or they're, they're rarely getting better. And David was somehow in that same place where he just decided, hey, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna step away. I'm just gonna step away from all that God's doing. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in verse six, it says this, then David sent to, to Joab. Now, Joab is the general of David's army and David's get, sending him a note calling after to bring someone back and he's gonna bring back Uriah. Uriah is Bathsheba, the lady that he's gotten pregnant, husband. Then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people and the state of the war. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. Maybe that's a good idea, guys, for us to do, right? Go, go to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and a, and a present from the king was sent out after him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to his house. Now, when they told David saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in an open field. He literally says, my small group, my community, my group of people that God has placed around me, 
They're out unprotected in a field. They're sleeping in the wide open. They could all be killed. I'm not going back to my house. There's no way that I would do that to them. And he says, shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. Notice the difference in behavior here. David lacked community. So he was doing everything he could to cover his tracks and tempt Uriah. Do you see that? But Uriah was so different. Uriah had left his community, right? He had walked away from the guys that he was closest to in the place where he was supposed to be. And when he returned home, the accountability, the love for that group led him to a place of integrity that kept him uh, from doing something dumb and led him to sleep on the steps of the palace. You see, when God puts people around you that help you grow together, you stay true. You stay true because those people are holding you accountable for your relationship with God and for your relationship with other people. They're helping you to grow and become like him. And oftentimes a sign of you going it alone or trying to go it alone is that instead of growing together, you're trying to fix things. And we've all been there in our life when things start getting out of control, we start making mistakes. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. We start trying to fix things, right? We start trying to make things better. Guys, aren't we good at trying to make things better? Ladies, get an amen on that, right? We, we try to make everything better just to make it, and make it worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we have no idea what we're doing. We're dumb. We just confess it on Father's Day, okay? But in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 14, David starts trying to cover it up. He starts trying to fix it on his own. And look at what he does. Now, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, that general, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had written in the letter saying, place your eye in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. So it was as Joab kept watch on the city that he put Uriah at the place where he knew there were valiant men. The men of the city went out and fought against Joab and some of the people among David's servants fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. You see, David began to believe that people were expendable. And when you believe people are expendable, you're probably going at it on your own. And you see, Uriah had all of this integrity. And what's amazing is Uriah didn't die alone. When he went to battle, other people there died as well. Did you catch that in the passage? Because they were his community. They were the people around him sent to, sent to fight with him. And when he returns back and, and people move back and he ends up losing his life, he was there with other people. You see, he wasn't on his own. He went back into a community of people that he had fought many battles with. And the reality of growing together is this, is that when we grow together, we never fight alone. If you have people around you and you've built a community of people with you, you never fight alone. Because community supports us. Community brings to us accountability. It, it presents us with the opportunity to be pushed forward. If you have the right people around you, they should be pushing forward, pushing you forward. But if you have the wrong people around you, guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna pull you back. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 and 16, Paul said it this way, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up 
of itself in love. Here's my question for you. Who's speaking the truth in love in your life? Who's speaking the truth in love? You see, David wasn't hopeless because there were still people who cared about him. And a guy named Nathan, who's a prophet, walks in. And he tells this story. You can go back and read it. We don't have time to, to go through the whole thing. But he tells this story, and David is furious. And Nathan says, you're that man. You're that man. And in 2 Samuel 12, 13, David replies this way, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You will not die. You see, despite all that David did wrong and his desire to get away from his community, it was his community that reconnected him to God, helped him experience God's forgiveness, and ultimately received that restoration. It's the same for us. If you want to experience those things, then you have to submit yourself to the community of people that God has placed around you that he's calling you to. And here's what's amazing. If you're here and you say, man, I'm lonely, I'm disconnected, I'm separated, I'm stagnant, I'm, uh, I'm going it alone, the reality of it is there's an incredible hope for you that if you reconnect in community, there are people who want to challenge you, who want to help you and push you to grow spiritually. And this weekend, we just want you to take a step in that. And your step honestly may be just grabbing that communication card, filling out the front side of it and saying, I'm interested in a group. You know, I, I literally would cross it out and say, I desperately need a group. If you don't have community, you're in a place where your life is potentially about to become a train wreck. You desperately need a group. You know, there's other things you can do. Pull your phone out. You got a smartphone. You guys pull your phone out. If you've got one of those T9 phones, pull it out and try to finish that text message you were sending before worship started. You know what I'm talking about? I, I love to watch people push those buttons. I have no idea how they ever do that. But if you have a smartphone, pull it out. Go to faithpromise.org on, on a browser forward slash groups. Did he say pull my phone out? I really did. Pull your phone out. This is great. It asks you to put in your address. You put in your address. I did that. And then I changed it to engage groups uh, in the, one of the fields there, which I thought would be really interesting to look at. And there are seven groups around me. And the first one that came up is called Hammers and Hands. And I'm like, I got hands, but hammers are worthless to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can't help anybody. Are any of you guys there? It's Father's Day. Give me tools. Great. I'll get somebody else to use them. Like, I need to call the Hammers and Hands group. You know, and say, hey, come, it says, they help people in trouble, uh, you know, to get stuff repaired. I'm like, I'm in big trouble, honestly. I mean, I can't fix anything, uh, candidly. I break everything. That's not the group for me. But there's another one that just says community service, where people go out and care for other people and, uh, and, may, and meet needs in our community. That may be the group for me. There's a place for you. If you've got one of those phones that doesn't have the internet on it, uh, you're probably wealthier than the rest of us, but you can go out into the, uh, into the lobby at one of the green tables and say, hey, would you show me one of those cool phones that shows me how the groups are around my house? And you give them their address and they'll show you and tell you some groups. But you know what? If we're gonna help real people with real problems, find real love at Faith Promise Church, then we're gonna have to submit ourselves to growing communities of prayer encountering God, right? Of people embracing others, uh, of people who are engaging the world around us, of people who are expanding God's kingdom. Because remember what we said at the beginning, when we grow together, we invite God into our midst. People who grow together experience growth and spiritual development in a way that other people never will. 
Because when we grow with other people, it's following Jesus, becoming more like him, and helping other people do the same. You see, for many of you, you may say, hey, I, I don't even know if I'm growing. I don't even know if I can grow. And the struggle that you have is you haven't begun a relationship with God. And the amazing part of this story, isn't it, that David, who was a king, who had committed adultery and murdered another person's husband, to try to make his life right, when confronted with his community, Nathan, that prophet, didn't say, hey, you train wreck, God doesn't want anything to do with you. Have you lost your mind? You know what, if believers around you are saying that, you're in the wrong community. Because Nathan said, hey, David, God's forgiven you. But Nathan was able to say that because of what he saw in David's heart, of a change that had happened, of what was going on inside of him. And here's the good news. God looks at you the same way. He says, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, I'll forgive you. But you have to humble yourself and ask me to do it. And every week at all of our campuses, in this moment, our campus pastors come forward. And we all pray together, right? And we pray together because some of you don't have the faith this weekend. You'd say, I just don't really believe that God would do that. I watch TV. I see what Christians are like. I gotta be honest with you. That's just not what believers are like. Some are. Believers are committed to the fact that we all need the love and the grace of God that's found through Jesus Christ. And so if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, and maybe that's your heart. You would say, man, I, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. Faith promise, we're gonna pray with him. Just pray this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Help me. I want to grow in a relationship with you. So today I want to begin that. Help me. Speak to me. Lead me. Because I'm committed to follow after you. In Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says some amazing things. It says that if one person prayed that prayer from their heart this weekend, that the angels in heaven celebrate. And we celebrate with you. And one of the ways we do that is if you would just give us your information and say, I'm making a first time decision to follow Jesus. We wanna get people around you to help you so that you don't get discouraged in your relationship with God, but that you are encouraged and that you move forward in your walk with him. And so if you would, if it's your first time, if you're a guest and you need something, if we can pray for you on the back, but if you'd pull this out and begin to fill that out, our ushers are gonna be coming forward in just a second. This time of our service, uh, we actually take our offering. And for those of you who made a decision, if you just drop this in the bucket, we would so greatly appreciate it when it comes by. But you know, one of the things that we struggle with in the leadership of Faith Promise is that across all of our campuses, it's so hard to let people know what you're a part of. And, and Every time you give, I don't think you recognize that it unleashes heaven in such an amazing way through our church. Uh, actually, every time you give, we support every month a ministry called the Timothy Initiative. Pastor Chris is on the board there. Pastor Kyle, who's our global uh, groups and missions pastor, was on staff with them. And three years ago, uh, before Pastor Kyle was here on our staff team, I had the chance to go with he and Pastor Chris and some other staff to India. And through TTI, uh, they are doing an amazing work. Did you know that 
520 people accept Christ every day through their work because you are faithful and generous. Yeah, I mean, but it gets better. 26 new churches are planted every day because you're faithful. And you see, God has given us so much. I just believe that he wants us to come together to be generous, to give, so that we can continue to see a move. And for some of us, he wants us to go. For some of you, he's calling you out. He's saying, hey, I want, I want you to give. I want you to go. I want you to do both. I want you to, I want you to be a part. I want you to be on the front line. There's an amazing work happening in the world and you are an incredible part of it because this church is a generous church. And so whether you gave online, whether you're about to give, whether you're gonna give in the kiosk when you leave, I want you to remember that you're a part of 520 people whose life is being altered today. You're a part of 26 churches that are being planted on the other side of the world. And it's all because you were faithful to return to God a little bit of what he's given to you. So as our ushers come forward, let's pray. God, in this moment, we beg you uh, just to do a work uh, to help us to overcome sometimes uh, the challenges of, that we face when we think we won't have enough, to remember that when we return back to you what you've given to us, that it unleashes heaven because we're committed together to make a difference literally around the world. So God, thank you so much for the Timothy Initiative, for what they mean in the life of our church, in the life of the kingdom, and in the world. Bring change through them. We love you in Christ's name.